Um, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through it. And Lord, you'd speak through me. And Lord, as you speak to us, that we would be faithful to listen. And not just listen, but to be obedient. And Lord, not be reluctantly obedient, but that would be willing to please you, to walk with you, to know that it's your will to, to bless us. And Lord, um, Lord, you said in your word, Jesus, that you came to give life and to give it abundantly. So Lord, we know that it's your heart to bless us, to walk with us. And Lord, um, that we shouldn't be confused and say, oh, God just wants me to be happy so then we could do whatever we want but that we would know that you want us to be happy with your will. So, Lord, change us so that we might walk closer with you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So, in my Bible, uh, it says this is the fall of Jericho, right? And as a child that grew up uh, being taken to church, uh, because when I was younger, I, you know, I was taken to church, uh, it wasn't like I, I woke up at like two years old and I was like, I'd really like to go to church. You know, my, my mother took us to church. My dad would show up once in a while, uh, but it was my dad's will to not take us to church. You know, I remember him, th you know, threatening my mom saying, I don't want you to go to church. I don't want you to take the kids to church. You know, and um, I remember sometimes we would walk there because there'd be no car. So we would, you know, my mom would, people would, laugh at her because it'd be my mom and seven children following behind her, you know, and be like, oh, you look like a, you know, a mother duck with all her ducklings following behind her. And my mom would sometimes answer this. She goes, listen, I don't take anything to heaven except my children. So I'm just going to make sure I invest in them, right? So, um, you know, all that to say is I grew up hearing these stories. And, and here's another fun fact. Did you know that my Sunday school teacher in New York City, and once one of our Sunday school teachers, because we would have different Sunday school teachers for the different ages. So when I was younger, I was little, I had this Sunday school teacher that had a strange accent. And I would ask my mom, why does she speak like that? She was English. She was from Birmingham. Honestly, she was married to a Puerto Rican guy. And his name was Moses. And Moses was very kind to us. And she was very kind to us. But I, I remember when I got married, I saw her. At, I went to go visit our old church in New York. I saw her, and she was like, I said, I'm moving to Birmingham. You know what she said to me? David, don't move there. <laughs> and I said, why? And she goes, they don't have food. <laughs> she left during World War II. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, I think they fixed that problem. <laughs> I think they've been working very hard, you know, Sainsbury's and Tesco and, and Morrison, they all got together and they thought, let's, you know, let's bring food to these people at a crazy price so that we get rich. So, so no, but anyway, see, that's what she said to me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I think, and I told her, I, I don't think that's their problem anymore. She goes, okay, but just be careful. So I've been watching my back ever since. So, um, so I remember she would tell me this story, the story of Joshua and the Israelites and Jericho, right? And this is their first fight in the promised land. 
And that's why we liken the promised land to living this life with the Holy Spirit. Hey guys, any of you guys that have come to know Christ, have, have your battles stopped? Who is living in paradise? Raise your hand right now, because we're all going to beat you up. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, right? We still have our battles, right? We still have our battles every day. Natalia lives in paradise in her mind. That's, that's her secret. <laughs> but honestly, right? We still battle the flesh, right? The flesh likes to feel down, get depressed about life around us. We still battle our flesh. We still battle Satan because Satan's always after us. We still battle the system of this world, right? Our three great enemies, we battle them. The Lord has allowed it to remain, and we have to rely on him to keep battling, just like the Israelites had to rely on the Lord to battle and have victory, all right? So if anything, we can see that even in the Old Testament, they had to rely on the Lord to see victory. And that's why we liken this promised land living, because the Lord's like, hey, listen, I have bountiful things for you. It doesn't mean you don't have to stop. It doesn't mean you don't stop fighting. The war is done, right? The Lord had already proclaimed, the land is yours. So if the land is mine, how come I can't just waltz in? The Lord's like, hey, the devil is defeated, but there's still mop-up battles all the way through until I bring you to the final destination, which is to be with the Lord. And you guys know that heaven isn't our final destination. Do you guys know that? That going to heaven isn't our final destination because it says in the end, the Lord will bring down a new heaven and a new earth. Our final destination, the Lord is still going to make, still going to put it together in the end for us. And that will be our final destination on a, with a new heaven and a new earth, right? But we know that when we depart from this body, we are with the Lord, and then in the end, he will resurrect us. You know, um, Matt's been talking about these things on the Wednesday nights. If anybody's paying attention, I'm watching you. You know, I could see you on the other side of Facebook, right, as you watch. No, I'm kidding. I can't. Only Mark Zuckerberg can do that. So, <laughs> so um, but yeah, it, it's really cool stuff. And we actually have hope. We have hope. Does it mean that we don't have to be good stewards of what the Lord gave us? No. Israel had to be good stewards. They had to be good stewards of the land the Lord had given them. They had to be good stewards of the homes that the Lord had given them, the fields. They had to be good stewards of their families, of the blessings that the Lord had given. Here's the hard part about being bountifully blessed. More responsibility. When you're homeless... There's no house to paint, is there? When you're homeless, there's no garden to take care of or tend. Or like some of you guys like to slab it over, you know? But when you're homeless, you don't have that. And you might sit there and cry, oh, I'm homeless. But listen, you, you also have no responsibility. Because when you are blessed, more responsibility comes. You have a thriving business, it means more paperwork. 
It means having to watch employees. It means having to watch your bank accounts. It means having to be a good steward of everything the Lord has given you. So Israel will soon learn that they need to be good stewards of the bountiful blessing that the Lord gives us. And it's the same in our lives. As I um, walk with the Lord and he blesses me, I actually have to stand up to the responsibility of the blessing and to say, hey, I got to take care of things around here. So we came off of last week, if you guys were paying attention, with my, with my uh, fake background beach. Did you guys watch last Sunday? That was green screened. I really wasn't there. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I was actually there. It was good. It was really nice. And, and to tell you the truth, you see how bright it was? We were on the lower deck, like out of the sun, in the shade. And it was still super bright. And the sun was hot. That's why I'm burned. See, that's why I came out this color. I'm like a chocolate chip cookie that was in there too long. So um, actually, Claire was like, oh, you look more like the color when we met. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen the sun in 12 years. <laughs> you know, I see the sun once in a while. It pokes through and I run outside and it goes back behind a cloud. So, um, but yes, so I, I, living in the United States, I was used to being tan. I actually thought that was my real color until... I, was, I moved to Birmingham, and they put me in a dark room. Uh, so, so last week we were talking about Joshua meets the commander of God's armies, right? And we said, you know, like, I, I didn't use big words. I didn't say, oh, it's a Christophacy or, a, you know, or anything like that. I just said, listen, he met Jesus, okay? I want to make it as simple as possible. It looks like, and it seems like, and it's high probability that he met the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, which means he met Jesus Christ before Jesus came as the, in the flesh. He met the commander of God's armies, which is only a title held for God, right? So then we, we fast forward, and now we're, he's getting ready for the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought, or, you know, as the song says it for little kids, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? Now the gates of Jericho, verse 1, were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. Remember, we've heard this a couple of times. The Lord promised them, if you are obedient to me, I will put the fear of God in these people, right? That's a saying that we use, right? The fear of God, they knew that these people were larger than life. Things that no other humans could do were happening. They were happening. Can I tell you something? That's not different for just the Old Testament. God still works and still does wonderful things. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in others' lives around me. God does miraculous things for us, and the world stands back and says, hold on, and they try to explain it away. You guys, I, I told you, you know, a couple of weeks ago about something that had happened to Juan before he lived here, right, with his eye, and then the, the doctor tries to explain it away that there's some, oh, I put some miraculous eye ointment in, and it he miraculously healed your eye, and Juan said, but that's just antibacterial ointment, and he said, yes, yes, but it must be the miraculous properties of the antibacterial ointment, okay? Or it could have been people praying 
and God working, right? So we know that God still works today and does amazing things, right? And, it, and he doesn't do it at my command. He is commander. He does it when he wants. He's not obligated to do anything for me. Only the things he said he would do for me, right? So when some people are like, oh, God has to heal you. No. God is not obligated to heal me. He can heal me if he likes or if he gets greater glory with me not being healed, then to God be the glory. That's what we need to understand. You know what? Sometimes God blesses with great material wealth and sometimes he doesn't. He's not obligated to fill my bank account. He's not obligated. Can he? Yes, he can. Will he? If, if it glorifies him. But if it doesn't, most of the time, he'll keep me dependent on him. Right? Because that brings him glory. Should, will I tell you that, you know, he'll always leave you poor? No, you know what? The Lord says that he'll fill your needs. He'll be there for you. He'll take care of you. There have been times where, like, you know, my bank account in the past is non-existent. I mean, I say the past. I mean yesterday. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got money and sometimes you don't. And there's, there's a real thing for that. You know, Solomon told us in Scripture that sometimes money sprouts wings and flies away. Hey, you know what? Money is like that for me, right? Sometimes you're like, man, I got paid. And the next day you look at that bank account, somebody stole my money. <laughs> and then you, you look at your receipts and I stole my money. Oh, man, I spent it all. Or I don't know if it happens with you. You get a payday, right? And then a big bill comes. Man, come on, man. <laughs> You know, the electricity company's stealing my money, <laughs> or whatever it is. But it happens like that. But the Lord takes care of us, and he knows beforehand that sometimes he supplies you with the needs that you don't even know are coming. So don't be quick to hit purchase now on Amazon. You might have to hold on to that, because tomorrow the bill might come. <laughs> so he gives us wisdom. So the gates of Jericho are tightly shut, and the Lord is... He's being faithful to his promise. He's being faithful. So we see something here. We see the fear of God put into these people, right? They know that there is a God that works on these people's behalf. They knew, remember Rahab told the spies, we heard about God drying up the, the Red Sea for you. We heard, and everybody loses heart about that. We heard that big things happen when you guys are coming. And then the Lord's like, oh, they heard about that? Let me dry up their river just to show them that I'm still here. I'm still alive and well, and my people are coming, right? So he dries up the river on them. And now it says the, the, the city is tightly shut. Everybody's like, oh, no, close the gates, man. The Israelites are coming, right? And then... We see, like, there's a reason why the original spies that Moses sent in were scared of this land. This land was full of what we call city-states. Every city had its own king or a king that ruled a couple of cities. 
So it didn't mean that they would just roll in, go to the capital, you know, roll into London, take London, and now they got the country, right? Or they roll into the United States, they take the White House. We've all seen those movies. Those of us that are heathens have seen those movies. Not me, I don't watch those movies. No, I'm kidding. You know, we watch, right? They take, they take the White House, that's it. The U.S. is theirs, right? This was not like that. These were separate city-states. That meant that they had to fight battle after battle after battle after battle after battle, and each one of these city-states is like a safe that they need to crack. You guys remember what I told you last week? Jericho, they've excavated it, and they found that it had two walls. So you climb one wall, like I told you before, you climb one wall, and then there is 15 feet, and there's another wall. Yeah, that's genius, man. <laughs> like, if I ever make a city, I'm going to do the two-wall system, right? Because, hey, man, climb the first wall, get yourself tired. And then when you're coming up to me, all the archers, get ready. <laughs> you see these dudes panting? Take them out, <laughs> right? Hey, get the tar. You know, let's pour the, you know, like we, you, you heard in medieval times, you know, they'd pour the tar over the edge, take out the invading army. Now think about it. You would have to take all of your equipment over the first wall so that you could now attack the second wall. You can't do that. You know, they would build ramps to get up to the first wall, and then you're in a 15-foot pit. Not... It's not 15 feet deep. They actually aren't sure how tall the walls are, but if it went to ancient walls, the walls could have been 80 feet high. There are some walls that were 100 feet tall. That's like a 10-story building. This building is not 10 stories that we're here. It's, it's seven stories. Imagine adding you know, three more stories to that and saying, that's the first wall. Climb that. And then once you climb it, you have a second wall. And like I said before, this could be sitting in Joshua's mind. His, his spies have gone in. They know what Jericho looks like. And Joshua's like, all right, well, Lord's sending us. we got to fight. And then now the Lord is going to speak to him and tell him, this is how you're going to fight. Remember, remember, Joshua, I'm sending you, but I'm the one that cracks the safe. I'm sending you, Joshua. You just have to be faithful to show up but I'm the one that does the work. It's the same with salvation, right? How many of you guys have saved yourselves? How many of you, you guys have, have yourself paid the debt you owed God? Nobody, right? I mean, forget arrogance. We can't do it. It's undoable. That's why God cracked the safe for us. And then he said, hey, the safe is open. Come on in. Right? I, I opened the, the door that wasn't there. I made a door. I cut it open for you. I made a door for salvation. It's the same way when we look at Jericho. When we look at, you know, you, you look at these fights like David and Goliath. He, he was a teenager. Imagine a teenager walking out there, walking up to a man that stood nine foot. I mean, we see some tall guys, right? You look in the Guinness Book of World Records, you see some tall guys, right? But they look like a beanpole. Goliath was not a beanpole. Let's say he was nine foot, uh, I think he was nine foot something. He would not fit in here, guys. 
Our ceiling isn't even nine feet tall. Goliath would have to like crawl through the door. And he was a fighting man full of muscle. It says his sword was, it tells us the weight of his sword. You have to hold that thing two-handed. And you know what's funny is when David speaks to him, David tells him the battle belongs to the Lord, right? This teenager says the battle belongs to the Lord. Listen, I fought, he says, listen, I fought lions, I fought bears. And I'll tell you what I learned back then, the battle belongs to the Lord. And then after the Lord takes you out, I'm going to lop your head off with your own sword, you know? And people might say, well, that sounds arrogant. Well, he's being arrogant for the Lord. What did Paul tell us? Brag about the Lord, not yourself. He says, after the Lord wins this battle, you come at me with spears and shields and swords, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Look up the story. That's what David says to him. And then he's so confident in God who has delivered him in the past and allowed him to have victory. He says, I'm going to lop your head off. You know, and to some of us, we'd be like, "Ooh, that's censored. That's not, you can't put that on Instagram. Well, that's all right. That's real life. That was real. Sometimes us Westerners, we don't have the stomach for, for war, right? That's why we sit over here. I'm not saying to go fight, but we sit over here and we, we hope and pray, and I'm with you, that war doesn't start, right? But think about your grandparents and your great-grandparents that had to, that had to, live in a world full of war, full of war. Think of the wars that are happening right now. And as Westerners and our, you know, our Western government, governments, we tiptoe around so that we don't get into the war, you know? Oh, our people won't like us if we get into the war. And you know what? I wait for the day of Jesus. When he comes, he will end all wars. I'm not, I'm not with that. Like, I'm not with having to fight wars. But I'll tell you what, it is a fact of life. And it doesn't matter how much I don't like it, it will happen. And we're told it will happen throughout Scripture. So when we hear, you know, of Israelites going to fight war, we could sit there and say, oh, such mean people going to fight guys that, you know, if we understand one thing, the Lord had warned them through prophets for hundreds of years, the Canaanites. He'd warned them for hundreds of years to turn from their ways, to stop their pagan practices, to stop eating their children, to stop sacrificing their children to Molech and to every other God that they made up. The Lord told them, remember what he says, the, the fulfillment of their sins or the amount of their sins have reached my nostrils in heaven and I will not take it anymore. He was patient with them and he said, now it's time to start new and start again. And sometimes when you have to start new and start again, it's like a farmer. You just got to mow down everything that was there. But that's God. That's not our call. That's God's call. So when we look at the Israelites, we can, we can have this Western mindset that says, oh, look at these horrible people fighting war. Or we could say, you know what? God's a good God, and he is a father. And listen, when you're a good father, you're also ready to defend. Okay? I was reading, I was at a zoo yesterday, and I read about this, uh, this hare, right? 
this type of kind of bunny rabbit. And, and I think the, the rabbit is somewhere from South America. And it says, this rabbit mates for life. So it, you know, the male only has one female. And when that one female dies, he does not mate again. He has one female, right? And then it says that he will defend his female against any predator. Doesn't care if the, he doesn't care if the predator's a, you know, a wolf or whatever. He's coming out for the fight because they're not touching his girl, right? And it says he'll also defend his children. And then it says that they, when they have children, they actually bring them together for, uh, for like a creche. So all the, all the little baby bunnies grow up together and then they take them and, and then they bring them back to the creche. And I'm like, yo, this rabbit sounds more human than humans I know. <laughs> wow. And sometimes, you know, we get messed up by watching Hollywood and watching all the news and we don't understand that life is sometimes filled with hardship and pain. We try to hide ourselves from it. But the Lord says, no, don't hide yourself from the pain. I am the comforter. I come and I take care of you. Call on me. You know what's cool about God is is I can't last a day without him, in a sense. Like, I, I start going all wrong. I'm not saying, like, I die. I'm saying I start on my path to death. When I'm not with him, when I'm not walking with him, things start going wrong, and I can echo the words, I need you every hour. I need you, right? But here's the cool thing about God. I need him, and he's willing to help me right? It's not like I need you. And he's just like, listen, I'm busy right now. All right. You're a pain in the neck, Dave. You can't get anything right anyway. Plus you're Hispanic. <laughs> Who likes that? <laughs> you know, whatever it is, he doesn't answer me like the world, right? He doesn't answer me like the world that says, you don't look like me, so I'm not going to help you. I don't even like your style. That's not what God says to me. I say, God, I need you. And he goes, I'm right here. I'm with you. And it's not just for me. He tells us in his word, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. If you feel forsaken, it's because you're not looking to God. You're not understanding that God said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's pretty cool. That's just one promise. The scripture is filled with promises for us. Whether prophecy or right now present promises. They're filled with promise. So Joshua, it says, um, no one was allowed to go out or in. So the fear of God was on these people. For the un unbeliever, the fear of the Lord is like, like trying to run away from death. All right? So when you're an unbeliever and you hear about God, you're, you're, you're dead scared, man. You, that's like death. You're trying to avoid death. You want nothing to do with God because God means a whole bunch of bad news that I don't want to hear about. And I'm trying to procrastinate and I'm trying to put it in the closet so I don't have to think about it. But then you keep talking about God. I was once talking to this guy and he goes, why do you Christians always talk about death? You're always infatuated with death. And I'm like, no, 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 bro. You're getting it wrong. I'm infatuated with life. So I'm telling you, death is coming. It is in inevitable. It's coming. But the one that brings life is Jesus Christ. He brings true life right here, right now, 
and for eternity. So I'm just telling you about a problem that we all have, and it's called death. You know, there, there's this new statistic that came out. Ten out of every ten people die. Nobody's escaped it. It's not new. It's been around since Adam and Eve. Ten out of every ten people die. We only know of two people that escape death. Two people in scripture that escape death. Enoch and Elijah. That's it. Those are the only two people, and that was by God's will alone. He said, you know what? I'm just going to take you to heaven now. So we're going to skip. You know, you ever play Monopoly? We're going to skip go, you know, <laughs> taking you straight to the win. All right? Oh, cool. Cool, right? So 10 out of every 10 people die. So for the, for the non-believer, it's like when you start talking about God, you're talking about a whole bunch of things they don't want to pay attention to. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. But the fear of God in a believer is this, that you trust God. You trust him. And, and to show you somebody that feared God more than fearing men, it means you listen to God more than you listen to what people are saying. That's, that's what it means. But if you look at two people in scripture, you look at King David and you look at King Saul, King Saul admits a couple of times that he did the wrong thing because he feared what the men were saying. Now, you could see David's character in this. After his people um, get raided, like he, he's at this point, he's not a king yet. He's just a leader out on the field. He's a captain out on the, out on the war field. And when he gets back to his town where that's how many men he had, they had their own town. And when he got back to camp, Somebody had raided their camp, stolen their children, and taken their wives and all of their possessions. And the men say, David, this is your fault. We're going to stone you. And it doesn't say that David feared what the men said. It said, David sought strength from the Lord his God. And then he stood up and he said, Lord, shall we go after them? And the Lord answered him, go and overtake them. So then we find later in the story that David finds those people, they get their things back, and everything was untouched. Right? So that's the difference between the fear of God and the fear of men. When you hear men talking, you start shaking, and you don't listen to what God is saying. But when you fear God, you hear God talking, and you don't care what man has said. And you listen to God. You're obedient to him. So um, verse two, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast at the on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. 
So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to so walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. So God tells them a ludicrous plan. You know what I mean by ludicrous? I'm not talking about the rapper. All right? I'm talking about crazy. He tells them a crazy plan. He tells them pretty much, hey, listen, this city, this city-state that you're going to attack, um, you're just going to walk around it silently so that they think you're crazy. All right? Not, not they will think you're crazy, but it's not for that effect. It's just so that they, I'm going to do it for you guys. I'm actually going to crack the safe for you. I'm just going to blow the door open, and you guys are going to walk in. You got to charge right in like there were no walls because the walls will fall down. They'll just fall down. And I'm going to do it for you, Joshua. It's a promise. So first, we see the fear of the Lord, and it's up to us. Do I fear God like a non-believer, or do I fear him like a believer? And say, what you say is true. And then do I hear his promises? Right? Like the promise I told you just before. God, you said, never will you leave me, never will you forsake me. I believe you. I believe you. God, you told me that you would help me through this life. You would give me strength. You would empower me for the things that lay before me. I believe you. Right? So we hear his promise, and then we believe his promise. Right? Because we already fear God. But we fear God as believers. That means we honor him. It's the same, it's, it's like the same thing that we're supposed to do for our parents, right? When we were little and our parents said something, it carried weight to it, right? Because when I was little, there was nobody stronger than my dad. I'll tell you that much. And you know what? There's still a little boy in me that still fears my dad. Just a little bit. Because I knew that he could hurt me or help me. It was my choice. <laughs> so I could do whatever, you know, things that would get him angry or I could do things that would please him so that, but see, it's different with God. I don't need to appease God, right? It's not like some uh, volcano lava God that I got to throw a body in so that I appease him and he's happy with me, right? I am already accepted through Jesus Christ. If you are a believer sitting here, you are already accepted, you don't have to appease God. But now we can love him and please him, right? Just like a good relationship. He loves us. He pours down blessings on us. And we can love him back and bless him. Not only God bless you, but bless God, right? Bless him with the way that we live our lives. So Joshua not only hears what God is saying, he also chooses to give the instruction to say, we're going to believe him. We're going to move with it, right? So this, this week, we're just, we're just going this far. So we need to fear the Lord. We need to hear the Lord. And then we need to hear his instructions and get ready to carry them out, right? That's, that's what like the beginning of the Christian walk is. That's what it, it's like for me every day, right? That's why I try to sit down and read a little bit of God's word so I can hear the Lord, 
Even though I know him, I, I hear him, I've heard his voice for years, I still want it fresh, right? Every day I want that fresh salad. Any of you guys like old salad? Who likes old salad? That like limp lettuce that's starting to get dark on the edges. Anybody? Raise your hand. Who likes that rotten tomato? <laughs> yeah? Start to smell like it's going off. Anybody like that? Raise your hand. No, I like fresh food. I like fresh food. You know, I like it when my mama used to make it fresh. I like it when my wife makes it fresh, right? She makes me a salad right there and then, right? With a nice big fresh steak next to it. I don't want last year's steak. <laughs> Been sitting around, got maggots on it. No! That's not me. No way. I want a, I want a nice steak with salad, of course, because I'm healthy. <laughs> um, to garnish it. I'm only kidding. Um, but we want it fresh, right? It should be the same with God's word. I want to hear him speaking. I want to hear him. So I encourage you guys to try to get a daily routine. Listen, I still fail in my daily routine. Pastor Dave fails in his daily routine. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't even read God's word this morning. I'm already out here on the work, you know, out here working or doing things. But that doesn't mean I can't stop and try to take some time out. Or sometimes, you know, you, you play your Bible app and it starts reading God's word for you. And it helps you out, right? You're getting daily fresh food from the Lord. And like I've said before, like when you get fresh food, don't expect to feel like, like Wonder Woman or Superman. Like, oh yeah, I got God's word. Because I've had people come to me and say, hey, listen, I was listening to God's word. I don't feel any different. I've been reading God's word for the whole week, and I don't feel any different. And I said, listen, do you ever feel like Superman after you eat breakfast? Like, man, I just ate those eggs, man. I'm going to fly out the window. <laughs> Anybody here, raise your hand. It's a normal diet, right? You're healthy by continuing the diet of eating well. Years later, you realize, hey, I'm healthy because I've eaten. Hey, I'm alive because I've eaten. Wow, great. And I actually feel good. Great. So we're not talking about Wonder Woman, Superman stuff. When you do that stuff, you won't even realize it. And people will say, whoa, did you just do that? And be like, yeah, I guess the Holy Spirit empowered me. Weird. Crazy, huh? It's awesome. That's all God. It's not because I ate super breakfast or because I ate an awesome, you know, spiritual dinner and now I'm like floating around, you know? Remember, when Moses went to meet with the Lord on the mountain, who was the last person to know that his face was glowing with the glory of the Lord? Moses. He didn't come down being like, man, I feel like I'm shining, baby. Check me out. Off, on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Moses didn't do that. It's, it's his brother that came over and like, bro, you're shining. You know the shine thing? And he's like, what are you talking about? Your face is glowing. Everyone's scared of you. Put a veil on. Okay. When the Lord is strong in you and you're reading him and, and like you're reading his word, you're praying, you're with him, 
everybody else around you is going to know the glory of the Lord is shining out from you. That living water is flowing out from you. And you're just going to be like, yeah, life is normal. And everybody's like, man, that guy is blessed. And you're like, yeah, cool. You're shining, Jesus, man. Now, don't go put a veil on, you know. Be like, oh, yeah, I got to go put a veil on. I'm shining. <laughs> That's a Moses thing, not your thing. <laughs> so then he hears the instruction and he gets ready to carry them out. That's what we have to do. We have to be ready to carry it out. We have to say, hey, listen, you know what, Pastor Dave, I take on. I believe God's word. I'm going to live it. Get ready to live it. Reckon for yourself that you are going to do what God has said. You know, it's like that final decision. I'm going to follow the Lord. I remember the first time I was already a Christian and I was, there were troubles coming and I was freaking out and I felt the Lord, as I'm reading his word, I felt the Lord speak to my heart. The Holy Spirit whispered to my heart and said, David, how long will you doubt me? I deliver you every time. It's up to you to believe. You're right, Lord. You're right. I trust you. And I had to tell my brain, stop doubting God. I'm not listening to you anymore. Not just, you know, not saying like I checked my brain at the door. I had to teach my brain, listen, he has delivered us every single time. You are, uh, has anybody ever watched the movie, um, is it Luca? Or is it, is it Luca or... Um, it's like uh, that Pixar movie where they're like sea monsters and then they pop out and then they're, they're human or whatever. So anyway, this one kid says to the other kid, yeah, so he, he's like on a bicycle or something and, and it's like a, it, it's ridiculous like to go down like a steep incline and then just like fly, go flying. And he's like, I can't. And he goes, oh, I know your problem. You got a Bruno. He's like, what? You got a Bruno. You know, a voice that tells you not to do it, like a voice that's a doubting voice, right? So then he tells him, all you got to do is tell Bruno to shut up. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. Hey, listen, sometimes your flesh, your enemy, your flesh is like that Bruno. No, 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 you can't trust God. You can't trust God. We don't even know if he's good or bad. <laughs> you know, maybe he's been lying to everybody. Maybe he's just a really good thousand plus year liar hmm? maybe he's waiting like a criminal you know just waiting for the time to pounce on you that's not God you know what God says he is not a man that he should need to lie I mean <laughs> you know that hurts your feelings right Ooh, right but God's like I'm not you I don't need to lie I say what I want I'm king <laughs> anybody touching me that's what God says. I'm not scared of what you think of me. <laughs> it's like a potter being scared of what his pot thinks of him. Let's be real. I haven't met a potter yet that it was scared about what his pottery thought of him. In fact, they'll just take that pot and be like, ah, it's worthless. I'll make another one, right? Because when you are creator, you're in charge. So God isn't lying to us. We need to look at what the, the word says to us, and we need to say, hey, you know what? I need to fear the Lord. I need to believe him. I need to trust him. I need to hear his promises. 
I need to read his word so that I can, I can hear his promises, you know? Uh, and then I can, I can hear his instruction of how he would like me to live. And then I could get ready to carry it out. You know, as a Christian, there's a couple of things that are really easy. What are God's instructions for me to live? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's one. Two is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, cool. And that isn't, um, you know, we hinge on, well, I got to love them like I love me. No, that's hinged on the first promise. I got to love God, therefore I have to love me and I have to love my neighbor. And we're not talking about narcissistic love for yourself. Like, oh, I love me. You know, oil yourself up before you look in the mirror. You know, whatever crazy things you might do. I obviously don't oil myself up before I look in the mirror. I look like a sweaty seal. <laughs> but it's just loving the one that the Lord has made. All right, Lord, you made me like this. Then I'm going to be okay with how you made me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and wish I could have, like, uh, ear operations and nose operations and all of these things so that I look like my Instagram idols or whatever. Lord, you make all things good, all right? We're going to go out there. We're going to live it. And then you have to be okay with who the Lord is making you into, you know, as you work, as you, as you live this life. And then you have to be okay with your neighbor. You have to be okay even if they're the ugliest neighbor you've ever seen in your life. You know what I mean? Or if they're the most annoying neighbor that you've had. You love them. You know, God tells me other things. To love my enemy. What? Love my enemy? And he says, in fact, bless them. Pray for them. What? Love my enemy. God, I have a better idea. How about I fake I love my enemy, and then I trip them when they walk by? That sound good? And the Lord's like, no, really love them. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to not laugh when bad things happen to them. I want you to pray for their salvation. And one thing that I'll end with is sometimes God's ways, his instructions might seem crazy, right? Like to our really rational thinking, which we never depart from, right? We always think rationally, especially when we freak out about little things. Right? We're always thinking rationally. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> you know, like honestly, we think we're very rational, but then when we tell people our fears, they're just like, Are you kidding me? You think that's that's real? Okay. You know? So God is more rational than us. And sometimes his plan or what he instructs us to do um, may seem like it doesn't make sense, like marching around a city. This city, uh, they believe, was about somewhere around 10 to, to 8 to 10 acres. So it wasn't humongous, but it was enough to make it an awkward walk around it. All right? And it would have been a fairly long walk with, an, with a whole army to get everybody in there, marching around silently, let's go silently, quietly, and march around. And it could seem like it doesn't make sense. God, this doesn't make sense. Right? 
the cross doesn't make sense, right? Why would God die? Why doesn't he instead come and just kill everybody and be victor, right? right? Not name himself victor, but like be victor, victory, right? That's what a lot of people have trouble with. Why would God choose to die? Because that was his route for victory so that we could be saved. God could have just ended it, right? Say, you know what? This human race, it's a bit messed up. Forget the flood. I'm just going to snap my fingers and make it all disappear. In fact, I'll snap my fingers and watch it all burn. Every single piece of it. Because God can do that. But instead he said, I love them. I want to redeem them. I want to bring them back. So I'll do the work. I'll do the work. And he knew that he could raise himself up from the grave. That's victory. But God's ways are above our ways. And I'll leave you with this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It reads this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when we're like, ah, God, it doesn't make sense. I don't even know what's going on. Know that God's got it under control. That's where Joshua found his peace, following God. And God did all the work. We're going to see that the Lord continued to keep his promises for Joshua, continued to keep his word. And then when problems arose, he helped Joshua sort those problems out in a godly way and to cut out the sin that was there. And he was faithful to Joshua. And the Lord is willing to be faithful to us. And Joshua, remember, is that picture, that small foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the one that leads us into victory. And God said that he'd keep his promise to Jesus and we are his right? So he'll keep his promise to us. He's a promise keeper. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we need you. And Lord, that we would fear you more than we fear men. Lord, that we would hear your promises and then that we would hear your instructions and we would get ready to carry them out. Lord, that we would reckon for ourselves, I'm going to follow the Lord, not follow myself or follow others. I'm going to follow the, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. I pray that you would strengthen us and that you'd be with us. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be together. And Lord, be with us um, as we pray for our country, as things are changing. Lord Jesus, that we would know that you don't change. It says in your word that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for that, that we can trust you. And Lord, that we would continue to put our trust in you and walk with you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.